0: In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tug Entertainment
1: or its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The girlfriend at principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com.
2: Well, what's your greatest nightmare? Okay, when you say nightmare, do you mean is a nightmare something that you've already experienced or is it something that you're anticipating?
3: <laughs> well, I say we go with both. But before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships, and we'll have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks. On our website at GirlFriendIt.com.
2: Well, just so you don't forget, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. But let's go back to the original question that you asked. What's your greatest nightmare?
3: Well, I have to say one of my greatest nightmares is not being organized. And since we are officially heading into one of the most significant and sacred seasons of the year, it is filled with expectations, Mm -hmm. anticipation, inspirations, love and laughter. (laughs) That sounds like a Hallmark card. (laughs) Speaking of a Hallmark card, we are going off to New York City today and that meets all of those requirements. So I'm very, very excited. And that could also turn into a nightmare if you are not organized,
2: but, you know, okay, you're talking about all the anticipations, expectations of the season, but there are also forces that can kind of damage and disrupt. And we're going to call for the sake of the show today. We're going to call them nightmares because you've heard of that book nightmare on, you know, of Christmas and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, memories of Christmas past, they can really haunt us. Um, especially with the reminders of things that we didn't do and I know Mm -hmm. for me that is a huge one because I tend to focus on the things that I didn't do more than sometimes the things that I did get accomplished and in this season of memory making magic it also brings expectations and the anxiety like we said that we want to provide today our listeners with all the essential elements to help all of us deliver our peace on earth, goodwill to men, and what not results.
3: <laughs> well, have you ever found yourself saying, this year it's going to be different? Like, you really do want that peace on earth, goodwill to men, and and whatnot. So this is going to be the year. This is the year that you're just going to embrace. And, you know, what if this year was different, and you have to ask yourself how.
2: Well, well don't you find that I, I, I start um, anticipating and thinking about Christmas, I have to admit, in, to, in the summer because I love Christmas so much, everything Christmas. And every year I go, okay, this year's going to be a little different. I'm going to be more organized. I'm going to have – this is going to happen. I'm, I'm really going to have my Hallmark card experience. Well, I, I
3: have to interrupt you because you said this year you're going to be a little bit more organized, and you challenged me to do the same thing. <laughs> And yes. You challenged me to have my Christmas tree up. I took on your challenge. I did everything that you asked me to do, yes. and it was quite comical because you were still you were still challenged in that area. As I as was you still were talking about it,
2: as <laughs> you, you were did. doing it, but I did, did get it up. It. On, yeah, I did give myself a deadline, and I find that I really need a deadline and the accountability accountability of that deadline, and that it really kicks me in. So,
1: and so I did.
2: I've had my. You know, it was so nice because actually. We both, I had my house decorated, my tree up before Thanksgiving so that I can totally go into Thanksgiving and then I've come home and it's like so nice to be able to enjoy the home decorated. Cause I love, love Christmas. But the problem is I keep adding one more thing. You're like, oh, I want to tweak this a little bit yes. and do this and make it a little more festive. Cause I love the lights, the ambiance. I love just sitting and relaxing and walking into the house already.
3: Well, I was actually surprised at some of my friends that it was, it was offensive that you had Christmas before. I mean, they were mocking me like you're going to get Christmas needles in your Turkey, you know, and it, it, Either people just love it because it's like, oh, it's a part of the fall season. You have your tree up, or they're like, seriously, Patty,
2: <laughs> you're already okay. Making so this I was happen? talking with a girl the other day. and She put her decorations up for Christmas today after um, Halloween. Wow! And I'm like, wow, that is really, yeah. really going for it. But the, you know, the decorations are up in the stores in August, and so yeah. you can start justifying November is yeah. a good time to kind of because you, you go to all that work. And it's like, I want, might as well enjoy it for a few weeks. Well, I, I, want... think, I think
3: that um, just the consumerism is what's irritating when it's in the stores because you get the feeling of, oh, they're already putting you in that mode so you'll start shopping you know, for Christmas gifts, which you do. You mm-hmm. start thinking, oh, i can, I got to get organized. i got to be on top of it. I'm going to start shopping for Christmas gifts. So that, that would be our greatest nightmare then.
2: Well, yeah. And you know, the other thing that I, if we think about what is your greatest nightmare, one of mine is like, I kind of alluded to earlier is, is filling the guilt of the season because, okay. And I know for me, it's like with cards, Christmas cards, and I have to true confession. I haven't sent out Christmas cards in 25 years. I know this. I know that's a shock to you <laughs> no, um, because I <laughs> you've never had, had received one <laughs> from me. And I love, love, love getting them from people. I just love them. But you know what? I I have these good intentions and it never happens. So I finally, a few years ago, took it off my plate and go, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to even put that on my plate as an expectation. And then I'm not going to feel guilty. And my temperament, I can really feel guilty about the things that I don't do and focus on them more than all the things like you know, you have this illusions of you know baking night, and I'm going to bake all these things, or I'm going to have these Christmas cards. And- I don't have those illusions. See, You don't have me. the I don't have the, the card <laughs> illusion. You don't have the ones of baking. Um, and it's it's, but it's funny because you do. You go, oh, I missed that one again this year. And instead of going, you know what, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to even go there. I'm well, going to focus on these things that I'm going to make happen. The
3: Christmas cards, that to me is magical. When I get Christmas cards in the mail, it's like a gift from this family. And I I love it when they have their family portrait. I have to admit, I don't care for Christmas cards that just say Merry Christmas. And it's like, why bother? But when they have that Christmas family picture, yes. I, I just love it. But I, it's almost like that's old school with – Facebook and, you know, everything on that, you can either just email, you virtually send a Christmas picture. Um, everybody's staying up with everybody through Facebook, so you don't even need the Christmas card. But there's something that just screams Christmas to me when I get those Christmas, and I put them everywhere. I put them on my fridge. And I, I love them, too.
2: I, I do love them. I just don't like sending them out. I'm not good with that. It enough. does. It, it can be It overwhelms consuming. me. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, you know what? We kind of identified um, – We were going to start with five, but it ended up being six tips to enjoying a magical and significant season. And we're actually going to post these on our website after the show just so people can kind of follow – um, because I think a lot of times you go into with these you know grandiose ideas, but here's the reality of the season, and we do want to all walk away from the season going that was so significant, and it is a sacred season, it's a significant season, but there's a lot of fun and laughter, a lot of family, friends, relationship times, and so many times we can miss. All of that because of the busyness and the expectations that can just drown us.
3: Well, and it sounds so trite. You hear it over and over, you know, remember the reason for the season, which is Jesus. And and yet that is those quiet moments, that time just to be still and, and embrace it. And, you know, make that a magical time when that alone time that you just get to um, Spin with Jesus and have your peppermint latte in hand with your favorite Christmas music going in the background and really try to be intentional with your time. I
2: even created a Christmas playlist to play um, for my little quiet time. So I just put on, you know, my to play. And I love it. Well, From you know, what's iTunes, funny created that
3: we will we, we'll do that. We spend all this time, like creating the playlist, making, you know, the Christmas cookies, going out and get, you know, to the store, but we don't take that time just to, but it still. enhances
2: my quiet time. I'm just telling you, I did that like two years ago and it's still the same playlist. And every year I add a couple Aww. songs. And so it really does enhance my, my quiet moments. Okay. Tip number two, give yourself a break. And what we mean by this is Christmas is supposed to be, like we've been saying, that magical time of making traditions and and memories. And just take take the guilt off, set yourself free to just be in those moments and those quiet times and truly embrace those.
3: Well, and you can't embrace them and you can't give yourself a break unless you get organized. Because otherwise you just wake up and And that's tip number three? That is tip number three. You have to get... And that, that is my nightmare is just trying to get myself organized because you get so caught up in... Um, Going to all the events, you know, all the kids have their um, their concerts and the plays and the after school parties and the okay. Ornament. So, what does
2: getting organized look like to you?
3: Just don't go to any of the ornament parties. <laughs> don't go to your kids. To oh, play. you can't,
2: you can't say no to a good party. <laughs> Who are you kidding? You know what? But I am not traditionally. Sometimes I'm a list maker on certain things, but it's like finding if you kind of start making a list of. Um, the people, and you know what, it, it, a lot of times it's, it's the neighbors, it's the coworkers, it's the, it's the, it's the people. That's what stresses me out is how do I get, cause I like to do things for my neighbors even, and yeah. thinking of something that's not, you know, doesn't cost a lot of money, but this has some thought to it. Cause you know, my sentimental side it has to have something that's thought to it. Well, and I that, tell that you, stresses
3: me out, can I tell you but making really a list naughty. is good. Yeah. Uh, this is my naughty or nice. I'm leaning in. <laughs> list is that I have to whisper it because if my neighbors are listening, I put um like a little gift shelf of kind of more generic gifts. So if someone wasn't on that list and all of a sudden they show up, I just run and go, oh I have yours right here.
2: Your that secret is out dress. now. That's naughty. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so if you are listening, I apologize in advance. But <laughs> it it that helps me not get stressed out when I have, you know, some gifts there that are just great. Really, and, and I, I love giving them. You're just, you're not sure, you know, who that person is that might just surprise you because they do every year you get kind of surprised right. by a neighbor or a coworker that you wouldn't have thought of having on. on your well, list. so it
2: goes back to being organized with your list and even having um, kind of a budget in mind. Like this is how much I want to spend on each person. Here's kind of an idea. So you're really helping you stay organized and helping you stay focused on that. So you don't at the end of the season go, wow, can I, I be naughty again? Well, you only have a minute to be naughty. (laughs) (laughs) If,
3: If I go to, at the end of the Christmas season, I get things that are on sale that I absolutely love though, like candles or whatever.
2: Okay, let's go into the very last one. We, we're, we didn't get to all our di- gift, our tips. They're going to be on our website. But the last one is the best gift to give is truly to help others discover their value. And that is a gift that we can give others that doesn't cost, but it truly is priceless. And so we went, we're we going to put some more things on our website because we didn't get to them all. And just things even to help create those magical memories like take a drive and enjoy the Christmas lights. with your all family. my naughtiness. Exactly. <laughs> but the bottom line is, as we go into our break, it's a season that has the potential to take your shame and your self-judgment to a whole new level. But remember, it can also be a tremendous opportunity and we get to decide how we're going to look at it. But we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with our special guest, Michelle Renee Hogan, talking about how we can bring others value during this holiday season. We'll be right back.
1: Is Girlfriended on TogiNet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended radio right after these. Join us for Self Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on TogiNet.com. This magazine-style radio show is a fast-paced program bringing together medical experts, authors, and patients to examine what works and what doesn't in staying healthy. Dr. Glenn Leah is a board-certified physician in pediatrics and internal medicine. His philosophy to wellness starts with an investment. He says proper nutrition, rest, and exercise are the best personal investments to maintaining good health. So join us for Smart Health with Dr. Glenn Mia. Fridays at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show. On Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
3: Well, welcome back to Girlfriend It. And we were just talking about the last tip that we shared and our list of helping to create a magical and significant Christmas season. Although you did rush me through all of my my naughtiness that um, that I
2: Somebody had to. <laughs> My naughtiness came on and on and on and on. It became true confession time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that goes gives us the best
3: gift to give is to help others discover their value. And this gift is the mission and passion of our guest today, Michelle Hogan. She is a self-described everyday woman. Michelle Renee Hogan is an er everyday wife, a mother that revolutionizes the way people think. And um, I, I love hearing that when people are out there just revolutionizing the world. She passionately runs a nonprofit organization, Restoration Stemware, that empowers the everyday person to find their purpose, embrace their passion, and live it out loud. She has traveled from coast to coast, conducting seminars and workshops on the personalities, team trainings, and inspiring those whom she encounters to see and embrace their unique greatness. Well, using her journey, she compels others through hope and inspiration, and encouragement. Michelle Renee sums up her motivation with one sentence. I am being my best me and living it out loud to inspire others. I love that, and welcome, Michelle, to our show today.
2: Thank you. I'm so honored to be a part. Well, we just so appreciate you just being willing to come and just to share your heart and your story and as as we all know stories are so powerful and and just really do inspire others to see the hope um and and just enjoy the journey better and to realize that they're not alone. You know, I think two of the most powerful words that we can hear is me too. When somebody is sharing something and go me too and it just makes us not feel so alone in life. Um okay, we're going to jump right in Michelle because we just want to we want to learn from you. We want to hear your story and uh patty and i've been talking on the show today about nightmares The nightmares of christmas and just the season can be but nightmares can be real and they're not fun and a lot of times they can have long lasting effects can you share um uh, just with our listeners your own personal nightmare and just some of part of your own journey that has led you to this point today
0: i would be thrilled to you know i was listening to you um, go over your list and i was thinking last night when you said nightmare before christmas And I was thinking, oh, Lord, my family has lived that nightmare every year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As I, you know, as I run out and I try to set the perfect Martha Stewart table, you know, make sure I have the perfect gift. And my daughter mentioned to me last night, she said, Mom, do you remember where we used to have everything done? And then she goes, then all of a sudden we started finding ourselves out shopping December 24th. At midnight, Mm. still looking to try to create that perfect setting for Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, I had missed it, you know. But when you're in the midst of it, you don't really feel like you're missing it. You feel like you're truly sacrificing yourself for the betterment of your family. (laughs) That's what we tell (laughs) ourselves anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And so... I totally understand the whole nightmare um, before Christmas. Mine would actually start right before Thanksgiving because somewhere in my mind I had told myself that I had to have Christmas up for when my family came over Thanksgiving Day. (laughs) And I don't know where I got that ideology. Maybe going into all the stores, seeing everything already decorated, you know, kind of triggered that. And um, I didn't like The fact that I bought into this ideology that I had to do this a certain way or my family was going to suffer a great consequence, you know, because we didn't have 12 Christmas trees up and Christmas music wasn't playing 24 seven and all of this, this Christmas theme that I worked so hard to do that by the time Christmas came, my family was so tired and so so wore out <laughs> from the to-do list that yes. I had given them. They were just ready for Christmas to be over.
3: Yes. Well, it's, it's interesting because, I, you know, I don't know about you, but growing up, I remember literally getting the Christmas tree and decorating and wrapping gifts like Christmas Eve sometimes. And now we do yeah. we celebrate it for two months. Yes. I,
0: I... I remember a simplicity about Christmas when I was a child and that I looked forward to that day, but I didn't remember all the stress and the pressure, but somewhere along my adult years, I thought to create that simplicity, it took a lot of performance on my part. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up missing that it wasn't about the doing, it was actually just about the being, Mm. just simply being me, simply being mom. So I would create in my mind this hallmark moment that I wanted to have with my children, you know, all the baked goods out and us standing in the kitchen and him standing on a pan and flour everywhere. And we were creating this hallmark moment. So I would, in my mind, idealize that. And then what would happen is my kids would come into the kitchen and then I would be so stressed and frustrated because they were making a mess (laughs) Yes, that I would kill the moment. Yes. And... It, it was just so much work. I, what was it, two years ago, um, we downsized. We sold everything and moved. I got rid of so much Christmas stuff. I used to decorate 12 Christmas trees, every room in the house. I took down every decoration. Everything just screamed Christmas. And when we moved, we moved um, from a home to an apartment, and I, I decorated the apartment within like an hour. And I remember my kids last year sitting there going, this was so much fun, Mom.
4: <laughs>
0: because I could release the whole decorating to them and let them put their thoughts and their ideas in because it didn't have to meet this picture in my Better Homes and Garden book.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, don't you think so many times, Michelle, in, in life, we have these different expectations just of how our life is going to go, not, not just at Christmas time. And I mean, Christmas is kind of amped up a little bit because we do. We see so much in the media, and we hear so much, and we want it to be magical with the the, you know the the Clydesdale horses you know and and all of that and it makes it so magical and the memories but but even in, in our own lives we have this this idea how life should go and so many times life doesn't happen that way and 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 not always by a lot of times by other people's choices how they um how it affects our lives and I know you've had some, uh, kind of a story with that how can you can share your own nightmare of real life and how it has really shaped you and to the woman you are today, a woman who is passionate to help others find their value and see the hope and the healing in life?
0: I think I, early on, being a preacher's daughter, um, felt very compelled to live up to a expectation that I felt everybody had of me. And there was no room for error. There was no room for grace. Although I was taught to always give grace and mercy to everybody that came to the church, I felt like I had to be the example instead of Jesus being the example. I didn't really understand that's how I was living until just over the years, I found myself about four years ago, I found myself saying, God, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired of not being good enough. I'm tired of always missing it. I'm tired of not meeting expectations. If this is really what it's like to serve you, I'm done. I'm Mm -hmm. checking out. I'm not going to do this anymore. This is too hard. This is too much work. Every day I fail. Every day I fall short. And I'm tired of trying to get your attention and hope that you pick me. Mm -hmm. Hope that you look over there and say, oh, that's Michelle. That's my daughter. I'm going to pick her today. I'm tired. And I remember laying in bed next to my husband, and I looked at him, and I said, I'm just done. And he said, sure. He didn't say much. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I remember that night laying on my bed, and I said, Father, if you really do love me based on me not doing another thing for you, if you simply love me, then start proving it because I'm done trying to earn your love. And, you know, I know Christians probably hear me say that and think, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this woman is saying to Jesus, prove it. But I found in that moment of realness and raw, just raw Michelle, that's what he was waiting for me to be was just completely raw. Instead of coming to him so perfected, and so strong and so full of an agenda and ideology of what I thought I needed to be, he was ready for me to just be raw. And Lisa, Patty, I cannot tell you what happened, but the next morning when I woke up, I could literally feel that he was loving me in a way that I had never felt my whole life. And I've been in church my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I think what it was is I had just completely at that point surrendered. Mm -hmm. So I was able to feel his love. He'd been there trying to love me the whole time, but it didn't meet my idea of what it was going to be like or what it was going to look like. When I did that, I knew, okay, this is what my journey is about. I am going to give every man and woman what I have craved my whole life. And that is for somebody just to love me where I'm at.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you're speaking is what, what uh, almost every woman, the, the heartbeat of every woman is like. We just we long to be loved and to be accepted for who we are. And so, so many times we don't even know who we are. We've gotten lost in the busyness no. of life and other people's expectations, and we don't even know how to be our true selves. And what Mm-mm. does real and raw really look like? And um, <laughs> and just coming to that place, like you said, it's very very freeing um, to just say, "This is who I am. This is where I am." and my value comes in being loved by, my, by by God, and he gives that value oh. it's one of the things that I do and I, I accomplish well michelle we're we 're going to take a break, and when we come okay. back, we are going to talk more about how you have learned how to navigate and overcome some of these nightmare things and because your story truly is one of hope and healing and and just realizing that life um, Life can be lived, that abundant life that Jesus offers amidst everything going on. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back with Michelle Renee.
1: This is Girlfriend It on TogiNap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend radio right after these.
4: Evermore.
1: Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. Get ready to laugh along with this little parent. Stay at home with Ellie Loprit. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on Togedad.com.
3: We are back with our guest Michelle Renee Hogan. Using her journey, she compels others through hope, inspiration, and encouragement. And Michelle, um, we would just like for you to truly go through and unpack. Um, you had a significant nightmare take place in your life, but you, um, through Christ, have managed to um, to overcome that in such an amazing, significant way. And do you mind sharing with us uh, more of the specifics of your journey and your story?
0: I would love to share that. 19 years, well, 22 years ago, I was 19 years old, and I um, had went out on a date, real short date, because the date quickly turned into a rape that lasted for many hours, left me pretty beat up and um, just distraught, and I remember that next morning um, sitting at the jail, And talking to the sheriff and going through everything and all the interrogation, everything just swirling around in my head, not believing what had just happened to me. They took me over to the hospital, and I was laying on the hospital bed as they were getting ready to do a rape examination. And my mom and dad had walked in and were on one side, and my grandparents were on the other side, and my sister was there. And um, they were doing the rape examination, which was – it is such a horrific experience if you've never been through that here you have just been brutally raped and then they just the the digging under your nails and the pulling from hair and just the whole process is just overwhelming and I remember laying on that hospital bed and the doctor standing at the end of the bed facing me and he says we have um Now done, seven pregnancy tests on you this morning. Four of them are positive. Three of them are negative. Mm. What would you like to do? Mm. And I sat there just kind of numb. It probably felt to me like, you know, a half hour, but it was just split seconds. And he said, we have a pill that right now you can take and that will dispose of the fetus and you won't have anything to worry about after that. And I took a breath. And with everything in me, I remember going up onto my elbows and pulling my head up off the bed, and I looked at him in the eyes, and then I looked at my mom and dad and my grandparents. My dad looked at me and said, it is your decision. We support whatever you want to do. And I looked at that doctor, and I said, I'm keeping this baby. If God didn't want me to have this baby, he could have stopped me from conceiving through this horrific event that happened tonight. I remember that the days and the hours that followed that decision. I never really felt like I made a pro life choice or a pro keep your baby choice. I never I never thought about it as was I doing something right or wrong. At that moment, I had just been stripped of every mm-hmm. bit of decency, self worth, value and I le- I was just left in pieces. And mm. so when he gave me that choice, I knew I had something growing inside of me at that moment that I was going to love and that was going to give me a reason to get out of bed the next morning. Mm. And so I went home from that hospital, and I laid up in my bed, and I remember just putting my hands on my stomach just hours after the race, and I said, Lord, I don't know how to be a mom at all. I never wanted to be a mom. I was in medical school. I said, I didn't want to be a mom. I didn't want to be a wife. But for some reason, you've given me this baby. Help me to be a mom to this baby. And I remember the words of the Lord just resonating with me. I will be a father to the fatherless. Hmm. And so every day I would tell her or the baby, I didn't know it was her at the time, in my stomach, I love you. You are being born in love, you were wanted, and, and the father is going to be your father. And mm-hmm. so, as I went through those nine months, I didn't think much about me. I thought much about this baby. I did not even share the rape story with anybody. My mom would share it with everybody she came in contact with, and I was like, oh my gosh, quit talking about this.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is
0: nuts. And then I started seeing what would happen when my mom would share it. People would just break down, and their lives would just be so touched by this story. And I'm thinking, I thought the story was just for me. I never really thought about the story being for anybody else. Mm -hmm. Then I remember standing in a conference speaking, and somebody said to me, you really ought to host a conference where you share your story with women and give them hope and in a little bit of time my husband he he put the whole thing together and I had my first encounter six years ago and from that every year I've had an encounter sharing with women how their story is on purpose has value and was created not to be shamed not to be hidden but to be shared And I'm telling y'all, if I, when I share my story, then the enemy doesn't have anything to hold against me and to Mm. wreak havoc on me about. Mm. And I have found more women in life, I come in contact with them every day, just wanting somebody to value their story and that their story has worth and that it's okay what they've went through, that they shouldn't be shamed for what they went through. Mm -hmm. And that's been my personal journey since when I first started this business. I didn't think that was my personal journey, but he was evolving me while I was loving on other women. He -hmm. was revealing and unveiling the Michelle that he had envisioned as I was loving other women and giving them what I so craved myself. Mm -hmm. So now I have a beautiful 22-year-old redheaded daughter that, Sweeps me off my feet every day. <laughs> oh.
3: Well, Michelle, that that is an amazing story, and it's it is so powerful. And it, especially, you hear that it seems I, I don't know. Maybe it's always taken place with date rape, but it seems that to hear it more and more. Um, I don't know if it's just our culture where girls seem to be putting themselves out there a little bit more, which is maybe giving mixed signals to guys. And then I know I'm walking um, on a tightrope there for even saying that, but, <laughs> it, 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 but I mean, and then there, it's, it just seems that you're hearing this date rape where all of a sudden they're dating this guy. And, um, you know, I just know working with the youth in high school and camp, you're, you're hearing it more and more that, I don't remember hearing, maybe just people didn't talk about it if it did happen to them because they considered, oh, I was on a date, so therefore it was my fault, etc." cetera. But um, I, I just think being able to share that, like you said, that shame is such a big, uh, it, it, it Satan has a, such a stronghold there, and girls don't want to talk about it.
0: Well, I will tell you, in church, my dad never preached it because my dad always preached grace and mercy. But the people in church, I just remember them never being able to accept that it was, there was grace and mercy for even those that made poor decisions.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, when I look back, I remember I did all the right things when I met this gentleman or this guy that ended up raping me. I never saw um, assault, even any warning signs,
4: mm-hmm. and
0: so therefore I felt when it did happen, I felt extreme guilt and yeah. shame that I should have known better, I should have seen something, I should have done better, and I feel that is exactly the trap the enemy wants me to buy into yes. so that forever I live under... You should have done better. Because then if I live under guilt and shame, how can I share that story as hope for somebody? I can't. I hide behind that story, scared to death that somebody's going to find out. And then I work really, really hard to paint this picture of a Michelle that I think everybody will be okay with, which then leads me into meeting everybody's expectations that are perceived on my part. And now I'm so far off from being the Michelle he created that I'm miserable, I'm unhappy, and it just, life doesn't even seem worth living when I go to that extreme. So when I, two years ago, moved and downsized and I, I left the church, I left everything in search of who was the Michelle that God created. Mm. not who is the Michelle that the conference created or the church created or my parents or, or family, nobody. I only wanted to know what did you have in mind when you breathed life into me, God. That was not a popular choice that I made. I stepped down from many positions, gave up many titles, and left and moved to another state to find me. But I was at a place of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And I needed him to show me that there was a purpose for me being birthed that was great in his mind. And when I sought out to find that, I realized that a lot of the expectations and a lot of the nightmares that I lived through every day were not really from other people. They were my own thinking of trying to make sure I was always what everybody would approve of. And would be pleased with and it was a performance driven life
2: hmm. and uh, now y- go ahead go ahead honey no 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 you are you're saying so many powerful things here and and uh, some of it you know as women don't you don't you see this so often how we do so blame ourselves for everything we are so hard on ourselves and yet we will tell other people how much they're loved and valued but the, the story we tell ourselves is one of, of shame and rejection and and okay. guilt and judgment. And it is learning how to navigate through that, to get to the other side, to go, that's not, like you said, that's not the Michelle God created me to be. Yeah. And in spite of a horrific situation, circumstance, there is still grace and love. And you have this beautiful daughter as a result that's full of love and, and God's goodness image. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, okay. Michelle will be sharing how she has navigated and overcome her own personal nightmare. And and Michelle, you have done this with uh creating a nonprofit restoration stemware. And we're gonna take a break and we're gonna talk about that when we come back. You're you're listening to Patty and Lisa and our guest today is Michelle Renee Hogan. Stay with us.
1: Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose at all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? Well, pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
3: Well, welcome back to Girlfriended, and we have been talking today about your nightmare, and Michelle has shared a little bit of her personal journey and her nightmare with us, which I have to tell you, Michelle... Um, this is a a conversation that really does need to take place because there are so many women out there who are dealing with uh, this kind of healing, and they do want to hear about the hope, and um, you just are so passionate in helping others to be able to o- overcome that, which is so neat to hear, and you actually became so passionate, and God has worked through you to start a nonprofit organization called Restoration Stimware, and this organization empowers the everyday person to find their purpose, embrace their passion, and truly live it out loud. So can you share a little bit? We kind of left off at, at just the, the hope of it all. And now how did that then move into a business?
0: Well, I think what happened is, um, you know, I had had quite a, a few molestations in my life before the rape. And I felt pretty disgusted with myself um, after the rape. I remember asking the Lord, did you create me just for abuse? Mm. Was that my purpose that I was created for? And I remember when I started Restoration Stemware, I was sitting with a group of women, and I told them, I said, what you don't understand is you look at me and you say, wow, if I could just be like you. And what you don't see is I relate well with the woman at the well. Mm. No, I have not been married many times, but I looked for love. From every man that would just spend a minute with me, I would give me so that they would, in turn, give me something that I was searching for. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: And with every time you do that as a woman, you give a piece of yourself away that you just, you lose value every time and worth every time to where you feel like you are nothing. Mm
4: -hmm. And
0: so when I started my business, I said, I want to just have a moment. I want no more than 30 girlfriends. I don't have to know who they are. I want us to spend a weekend together. I want to be able to share stories, but I want them to see their value and their worth, not in me, but through Christ. That No matter what they've done, if I can relate to the woman at the well, I don't care what they've done. He wants to use their story because it has a purpose. And so that first encounter that I held I thought it was the last one I only planned on doing it one time I never planned on turning this into a business I had a need and I set out the need and then invited other women to participate it grew from there because we are surrounded by women that are just wishing somebody would just listen to them stay there after they hear all the gory details and still love them with no judgment. No condition and no, like, list of now you can be my friend if you do this, this, and this. I purposed every year when I had an encounter, I didn't care who walked through those doors. I wanted to give them what I didn't have. And I realized now when I look back over the last six years, he created that business also to heal me. My heart was broken. My heart was fragmented. But he used my story to give those women permission to share their story. Because, see, that person I was trying to be, that Michelle Renee that had everything just perfect, looked all fit, looked all fine, had everything just right, that was intimidating. That never invited people into my life. That was something I created so that I was always protected. When he took that away, all of a sudden it gave all these other everyday women permission to tell me their rotten stories
4: Mm -hmm. and all
0: their bad choices. And they could sit for a weekend and share openly with women they had never met. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, not the power of Michelle. He created an environment for women to come and share openly because he wanted them to learn to simply be the reason we live a performance-driven life is because we're trying to perfect all the screw-ups that we've made so that nobody ever knows them and nobody ever sees them. And one well, time we hosted –
3: go on. ahead. Well, I just have to interrupt you. you. You talked about you'd already gone through previous times where you had been molested. And you, you hear of this with, with gals where they, they've had this happen to them. Um, did, were you able to share that? were you able to go to someone when that took place? Was it, I know there's, there, this is more than one question, but was this a family member or wh- where did that, and how old were you when that took place?
0: The first time it happened was nine months old. It happened all the way through my pre-early teen years. I went to family, but you have to remember back then, that was something you didn't discuss openly. Mm-hmm. It was a very private, very family family, um taking care of decision you know we took care of it privately and we didn't discuss that openly with anybody today if that would happen you know obviously things are way different today you talk about it and it's taken care of immediately by the authorities
3: now how did you know at nine months
4: did
0: my well we were having a family get together and my grandmother was sitting at the table my mom's mom and said well, you know, this, uh, this all started when she was nine months old in the nursery. Mm. And my mom started crying and said I never wanted her to know that. Mm. And so I never knew about the nine-month one until I was in high school. Yeah, But I can remember thinking something was wrong with me because I kept ending up in a situation where somebody was always taking of me things they should not be taking from me. Yes. And so then I just continued that pattern. Then when I got raped, I felt like it's what I had deserved.
4: Mm-hmm. I
0: had finally, that was the ultimate price. You know, you, this, is, this is what you are. You're, you're no good. You're filth. And so the ultimate price to pay is being raped.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just made sense of that somehow in my own mind. I never even went to counseling until I got married because once I got married, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to want to make love. What am I Mm going (laughs) to do? I don't want to make love with anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to counseling, and God gave me an amazing husband that is way older than me, and he looked at me on our honeymoon, and he said, you know what? I have you the rest of my life. I don't care if we make love on our honeymoon. So that took a lot of pressure off. Mm
4: -hmm. So. There wasn't
0: a lot done about when it happened at first. And so every time that wasn't dealt with and it was hidden and quiet, the shame grew more in me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You know, it was like something I had done wrong.
2: Well, and you know, don't you find it, it, it for all of us, but we allow circumstances in our life and and especially women that are dealing with the sexual abuse and even spiritual abuse that they allow that to define them. And it's hard to get past that, that this is who I am. That's what, what it's so amazing about what you're doing with this restoration. STEM or everything is, is allowing people to share their stories. So their stories are coming out. It's not, they're not in secret anymore and it's releasing that, but How do you even, I would think that especially with, with this circumstances that it's, it's a constant, you know, surrendering to go, this doesn't define me. This doesn't define me. This is not, you know, that shame that all of that, I didn't cause this. I didn't, it's, it's that talk and to get beyond that. What is some, what are some things that you really like practically try to help women? I know in your restoration, like, right. Is it journaling? Is it writing? Is it? changing the conversation. How do you help women to, to go? That doesn't define me anymore.
0: First of all, I help women by being just as real and transparent and raw myself to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally I'm raw. They see me good. They see me bad over a weekend. There's no pretense. There's nothing done ahead of time. It is raw. Second of all, I, I do encourage journaling, but I don't tell them to journal. I tell them constantly, You're hearing my story, but my story is mine. You need to find your story. And the only way you're going to find that story is through time with the father, a relationship with him. I did not have a relationship. I had rules and regulations. I had keep this, keep that. Once I lost religion, that religiosity of keeping rules, I fell madly in love with the father. And now every day, i search and seek in my word i can't get enough of it i tell those women that did not happen overnight but when i was real and raw with the father he loved me even more i was able to embrace his love so i encourage those women by just being real and living out loud myself but constantly reminding them that there is a beautiful unique them that he Envisioned when he created them and breathed life into them. And they have a journey of their own that will not look like mine. It will be uniquely written for just them. He will take all the behind-the-scenes story. He will take everything that they've done, and he will create a beautiful love story that he will in turn use and give other women hope as he heals their heart from the inside out.
4: Mm.
2: That's powerful. And we, and and this show has really, um, gone by fast, Michelle, just your willingness to just open up and share, like you said, reveal your story and give other women permission. And we hope today that as our listeners have been listening to your story, it is one of hope and healing, um, that they can, they can see that their, that their life has value and worth. And I, we know we talked earlier in our show, nightmares come in all shapes and sizes and there are no respecter of persons. And earlier in our show, we shared some practical tips to avoiding and alleviating their effects. And we're going to have, again, these, these tips posted on our website at girlfriendit.com. But Michelle, again, thank you for just joining us today. And, and in the few seconds we have left, how can women find you? And I know you have a book, if you'd like to share, we want to post that on our, our Facebook, at Girlfriend at um, Facebook, to make your book available to women. So can you share real quick how women can find you?
0: Yes, it's a personal email. My whole business is about a personal contact. So you can find me at Michelle at GoBeYourBestYou.com. That is my personal email. If they want to contact me, they can contact me personally. It won't go through my staff. Won't go through my team, it will come to me personally.
3: Perfect. Thank you, Michelle, and go be your best you.
1: Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended. The show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the